living in light of the end. And as we get moving on this, uh, there are ways for you to catch up. Uh, John also already mentioned that. But last week, uh, we saw that Solomon really rocks it when it comes to this idea of busting myths. You may remember that the myth busters do that. And we also see that, in a sense, uh, Solomon really does that. And so we're talking about that for last week and for this week. And we'll be looking at just what the Mythbusters do. And you may remember them from the TV show. You see, and what Solomon does is Solomon really, in a sense, crushes the idea of these myths that you and I, no matter where we're coming from, no matter whether we've been a Christ follower for a number of years, uh, whether we've uh, just kicking the tires, uh, whether we're, we're new to faith, no matter where we're coming from, this idea that he breaks some myths that you and I sometimes hold on to. Uh, last week we saw that good times is the answer to life. And Solomon just, just busts that up. He says, if that is your goal, if that is where you're going, if it's just about good times, you're going to find that that is a myth. It does, it's not the answer of life. And then also we looked into the whole idea of a good job. If you and I just, just get that right job, everything will be solved. And we saw last week that that's not the case. Uh, Solomon had, had everything at his disposal, and yet, and yet, with all that at his disposal, those things weren't the answer to life. In verse 11 of chapter 2, we read, when, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun." And again, he just goes on and keeps breaking all these myths that, that we hold on to. And we might not write that on paper. We might not say a good time is the answer to life. But if we really slowed down and looked at our lives, we would see that that really is a thread of our lives, that if we just had a good time, then life would be complete. Same thing with the job. We might say, oh, no, no, I would never say that a good job is the answer to life. But if we really looked at the threads of our lives, where we're moving, how we're moving, the reality is we actually think that. And, and Solomon just breaks those apart. He says, no, 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 those are not the answer to life. I don't know about you, but when a myth is broken in our lives, it can have a radical impact in how we live. And, and I'm sure this, this isn't a problem for most of you, but it's been a big problem for me, a myth that Solomon didn't have to deal with, but a myth that I had to deal with. And it's these little stickers you find at a, a gas pump. Warning, turn cell phone off. While at the refueling location, sparks in such an area could cause an explosion or a fire resulting in bodily injury or even death. Warning. And I don't know, have you seen these stickers on the gas pumps? Do you still use your phone? No. Someone says no. Someone says yes. Well, I, I was in conflict because, you know, I'm a multitasker, so if I got, you know, I'm filling up the tank, I want to be using my phone, and I see this sticker, and I see this sweet old lady at pump number five, and I'm thinking, man, 
If it blows up, I'm not only blowing myself up, I'm blowing up fast track, I'm blowing up that sweet old lady at pump number five. So, you know, it just really, it really bothered me. And so every time I'm feeling a little guilty when I'm at the gas pump, I, I could cause a problem. I could blow something up, but then I'd go, hey, that guy over there is using his phone. I guess it must be okay. Again, this myth just kind of just kind of hangs on and just weighed me down. But thankfully, the Mythbusters said it all right. Have you heard of this myth regarding uh, exploding a gas station by using a cell phone? Uh, not only did I hear, but I'm quoted in the myth that says, Mr. Rinkus says, don't use cell phones. They can cause fire at the pump. Uh, that email's gone around, and people take that literally because they are believing everything they see in emails, unfortunately. <laughs> After researching hundreds of petrol station fires, Bob Renkes of the Petroleum Equipment Institute says mobile phones are in the clear. Pure and simple, we don't have any accidents involving a cell phone at a service station. It just doesn't happen. So there you have it. Today, it was uh, worth the price of admission. You now know when you see one of those stickers, you don't have to sweat it. You don't have to be worrying about the sweet old lady at pump number five. You don't have to worry about her anymore, that you're going to take her out by using your phone. And now you can be free, and you can do what you need to do, and you can just take a, ah. You see, that's what Solomon does for us in, in a fuller sense. He takes those myths that are a part of our lives that really are in our operating system of our lives, and he debunks them. He says, this is a myth. He says, if you're just after a good time and you get there, you're going to find it's meaningless. It's empty. We've talked about it being fog, that you can't, can't support anything. You can't lean into it. And you're going to find that to be true. So when you and I discover those kinds of ideas, it frees us. We stop looking for a good time as the answer. And again, Solomon had all the opportunities, more opportunities than you and I will ever have. And he says they're meaningless. He also says the same to a job. He says, I could do anything, I could build anything, I could have any project going, and I could invest, and I could do it, and, and, and I was the boss. Yet, it was meaningless. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't support the weight of my life. And when you and I start to see those things, when we start to see in the book of Ecclesiastes, written in Solomon's later life, when he starts to point these things out, it can give us a freedom. It can give us a breath of fresh air. Just like now, I don't have to be worried about talking on my cell phone at the gas pump. Don't have to worry about that. That myth is busted. It's gone. As he continues on in chapter 2, he starts to talk about this idea that wisdom is the answer to life. Wisdom is the answer to life. He's going to say, you know, uh, good times... Work and wisdom, those are myths to be busted. If you go after just wisdom, this is what you're going to find out. So if you want to turn over to or open up to Ecclesiastes 2, verse 12, it's page 461 on that Bible you'll find around you, or you can use a, a version app on your uh, electronic device, whatever it is, and uh, you're going to see that he's going to say that wisdom isn't the answer. You may think it is. 
And I've met people that uh, just throw themselves into education, and, and there's nothing wrong with throwing yourself in it, but, but they look at it as having the answer to life. And as they throw themselves in it, it, it just never does it for them. Solomon, wisest man who lived, it just didn't do it for him. We read in verse 12, Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what he has already done? He has all these things to consider. He writes on, I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. So there is some value to it. The wise have eyes in their head while the fool walks in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Wisdom's better, better to have light than darkness. But when it's all said and done, if that's the answer to life, the same fate overtakes them both. And again, Solomon had every opportunity to pursue wisdom. You read the stories about him. We talked about that in our first week. We gave you the passages words that are written about uh, Solomon's life. We see that, that kings would come to him to get information. The queen Sheba came just wanting to know about everything and, and was blown away by his wisdom. Yet, at the end, he says, it's not the answer to life. Verse 15 then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. He goes on, for the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. He's saying that, you know, wisdom is great, wisdom is wonderful, learning is fantastic. But if that is your answer for life, if you just need to know a little bit more, you're going to find that it's empty. It's not enough to put the weight of your life on. Said another way, it's the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And if you watch Solomon's life, it, this became frustrating for him. He knew more and more and more, but life under the sun became frustrating for him. You see, wisdom was not the answer. Now, some of you uh, who are going to school and have to go back to school after a week's vacation, sorry about saying that, but some of you got to go back. You're thinking, all right, wisdom, it's not, you know, school. And, you know, you might even throw out Ecclesiastes 12.12 uh, 12 that says this, there's no end to the publishing of books and constant study wears you out. So you're no good for anything else. And I said, man, I used to like missing school. I used to play the sixth card, you know, every once in a while. I wish I had known about this verse. I would have called this out to my mom and dad. I would say, you know, uh, constant study, where's your... I would have had to say it in an English accent, you, you know, to make it a little more, you know, more important or whatever, but uh, I'm not even going to try to do that. But if I could have just quoted this to them, maybe they would have let me, you know, skip school a little bit more because I just, I just didn't want to go. But uh, this really isn't saying that. It's just this idea that if that's all there is to life, eventually it wears you out. Jesus uh, 
speaks of this idea of knowledge, just knowledge for sake of knowledge, when he says this in Matthew. But if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like the stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. You see, Jesus is saying, you know, wisdom is great, it's good to know it, but if it's not a part of life, then everything's going to fall apart. Uh, Solomon basically lived that out. Solomon had all this wisdom, yet at the end of his life, he has regrets. He had access to all this information, how to live, how to organize his life. Some he totally engaged with, but a lot he didn't. And at the end of his life, he finds that there's nothing there because he didn't live out those things. He, he had the information for, let's say, Bible studies, but he did not work them into his life. We read on, when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Interesting. You see the limitations of wisdom, just knowing. Sometimes you'll hear me talk about we are educated way beyond our level of obedience if you're a Christ follower. Most of us who have been in church world for a while know a lot of stuff. We can, we can engage in a Bible study. We can remember Old Testament uh, characters. We can, we can talk all that through, but when it comes to living it out, something's missing. Life collapses because it doesn't show up. That breaks my heart. Breaks my heart to watch someone who, in a sense, knows pretty much it all. Yet when it comes to actually integrating it into life, it doesn't happen. And we're all in danger of doing that. I'm not going to drop the name, but even just over the last three or four weeks, a great Bible teacher, you know who I'm probably talking about. Hey, it wasn't a morality thing. It was, it was an integrity thing. He, he's, he started this church. He's done with it. They've let him go. Why? Because he knew it all, but he didn't integrate it into his life. At the most basic level, he was guilty of, of just not being nice. You know, as Christ followers, you don't need a Bible verse for this. You're just supposed to be nice. <laughs> Doesn't get any more simple than that. Be nice. Could quote all kinds of verses about being nice. Could tell me all kinds of theological things. But are you nice? Do you love others? As God loves you. I mean, just again, doesn't get any more basic than that. And it's interesting, when Jesus concluded his, his address, when he's saying these things, it's interesting how the crowd responds. The crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Heard. What made it the best teaching they had ever heard? Because he actually lived what he was teaching. Now you may say, well, I'm free from that because I'm not a teacher. I'm not a pastor. Boy, Dave, the pressure's on you. Yeah, it is. 
but the pressure's on you too if you claim to be a Christ follower. Do you integrate and live out all this wisdom, all this stuff that you know about God? And again, back to the simple, are, are you just nice? Is there integrity? Do you put others first? Are you gentle? Not a doormat, not compromising, but are you gentle? Are you kind? Uh, when I first uh, came here to interview, I did a message called, Are You a Here I Am Person or a There You Are Person? And uh, it doesn't get much more basic than that. You see, if we pursue all this Bible, all this wisdom, but it doesn't show up in life, we're like that guy who builds his life on the sand. And then when the storm comes, everything collapses. And some of you know, some of you know firsthand, you've watched it, maybe you've even experienced it personally, you've realized that life starts to crumble because you knew it or they knew it, but then all of a sudden they didn't live it. And you're going, how can that person be that way? How can, I, I thought they were a Christian. I thought, they, I thought they had followed Christ for like 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And then all of a sudden, they could say all, these, all this information, but it wasn't in here. It was just in here. It wasn't the operating system of their life. So Solomon says, I'm going to break the myth. I'm going to bust the myth. If you think life or you think the answer to life, you've gone to the conclusion that it isn't about just a good time, it isn't just about finding the right job. But if you come to the conclusion that it's wisdom, it's, it's knowledge, it's, it's information, if that's the get-all, you're going to find you're going to be disappointed by that. It's, it's not enough. Not enough. So that doesn't mean we turn our back on that. So we go back to what Jesus says, and how do I actually integrate that in my life? How does what I know in my head show up in my heart and show up in my actions? And uh, because wisdom in itself is not the answer to life. Now Solomon says those first three things in chapter two, and then he goes back to the job thing. If you look back, he's back to working. He's back to, I've said these three things. I started off with um, good times, job, wisdom, and now I'm going to talk about job again. Why? It's great that we have that because many of us identify who we are with what we do. What's our doing? And he's saying if, if it's just your job, you're going to find that that's a myth that needs to be Busted. It's, it's not just what you do. If you think that's the answer to your life, you're, you're going to be saddened by that. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. It's interesting. What he's saying, he's saying, I do all this investment. I, I, I build this life. I, I get, accumulate some of this stuff, 
And then I work hard, and eventually someday I pass it on to somebody else. And if they don't do what's right with it, what was the point of me accumulating all this stuff, building this business, building this life? If it doesn't get passed on, it becomes empty. That's one reason we're investing in children's ministry. We're only one generation away from losing the influence that Christ followers have in our community. One generation away. So what they do, what you do as you serve in that and facilitate that is absolutely so important because we want people of faith to continue on, not just to maintain a building, not just to maintain an organization because we actually believe it gives a better life when you follow Christ. And also, your eternity, your heaven, your next chapter of life is secure with Christ, with God. So we invest a lot in that. Uh, They didn't talk about this, but the Saturday before Easter, we're doing a community um, Easter egg hunt. And uh, something like the trunk or tree thing. Do you know we had 250 to 350 people from the area show up for trunk or tree? What a great opportunity to connect with our community to say, we love you because God loves you. Easter egg hunt, same thing. So as you see stuff coming out on that, think about how you can be involved with that. Again, it's not to get a job done. Why miss out on that? I love when I get to have my fingerprints on something or get to touch something that makes a difference in somebody else's life. And you get an opportunity as these things uh, come your way. So he's, again, talking about a good job. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. We already said that. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I poured my effort and skill under the sun. This, too, is meaningless. So my heart began to despise over all my toilsome labor under the sun. Solomon's saying, I didn't want to just make a difference when I was alive. I wanted my life to make a difference to continue making a difference. And I'm not sure it's going to happen. I'm concerned about that. I'm worried about that. And if it's just about that, it's pretty sad. It's pretty empty. He goes on and says this, For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and they, then they must leave all they have to another person who not toiled for them. This, too, is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving which with they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This, too, is meaningless. So this idea, if the answer to life is a good job, a good work, there's some limitations to that. there's, there's, There's something to watch out for that. It's, it's just not in that of itself. Now, last week, we started talking about work a little bit, and I just want to do a quick review. Uh, last week, we reminded ourselves that work is a blessing, not a curse. You can listen to the last week's CD or online to, to find out more about that. Uh, we realized that uh, every job stinks. So if you're looking for the perfect job, you're never going to find one. You're never going to be satisfied with where you are at. There's not one out there. So you got to watch out for that. Um, Also, we saw, and this is going to be the heading for as we wrap things up, 
Christ followers don't take jobs, they're on assignment. So if you're a Christ follower, then you and I need to think about the fact that we're not just doing jobs, we're, we're taking on assignments. And we talked about what that meant, and, and just a little bit more information on that, is that we got to realize that if we're looking at our jobs as assignments, as a fulfilling our calling, as a reflection of our relationship with God and Christ, then we need to get it real simple, and we need to realize that we need to do what you're paid to do. <laughs> that seems so simple. But how many times have you been in a place of employment and you're tempted really not to do what they're paying you to do? Uh, sometimes uh, you, you just, you just you don't want to do it. But reality is, if you're a Christ follower, you ought to do what you're paid to do. We've talked about this before. If you're, if you're a Christ follower, it, it's really too bad that, that Christ followers aren't sought after as employees. It should be like, wow, I don't believe in that faith thing, but, but that person followed Christ. I want them to work for me because they're good workers. They're honest. But, but that isn't necessarily the case. Some of us have been in those positions and we advertise the fact that we're a Christ follower, but our work, our work ethic, our, the way we interact actually doesn't build the cause of Christ up. does the opposite. Oh, I once had a Christian working for me, and all they did was talk about God, and they didn't do their job. Whoops. Whoops. Do what you're paid to do. One verse uh, Paul writes, he says, Slaves, and we can use that word as, as servants, as employees, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. This idea, again, of be doing what you're paid to do. Now, we don't have time to get into the whole idea of slavery and what the Bible says about that, what Scripture says about that, but I do want to give you this little quote, and I have an article that's going to come up on our Facebook page around 11.15 that gives you the rest of this article, but uh, Gavin says this, even before the actual institution of slavery is abolished, the work of the gospel the good news, the great news of Christ, abolishes the assumptions and the prejudices that make slavery possible. You have to think about that a little bit more. Uh, I read somewhere that, uh, in, that in our world today, there is at least 27 million people in slavery in our, on our planet. In this moment, 27 million million. It might even be higher than that, but, but this is still going on. But the gospel, the good news, abolishes the assumptions and the prejudices that even make slavery possible. Check out the article. Again, it will be, it will be on our Facebook page. So, so we, we do what we get paid for. We, we respond to the person that, in a sense, has our eight hours a day. They've bought us for eight hours a day to, to do our work. Um, and we make sure in every area and every time we're actually doing our work. Uh, we're, not, we're not cutting corners. Uh, we're giving, uh, you know, what we're being paid for. We're doing that. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all in. Um, also, we realize that if it's wrong, we don't do it. The summer before I got married, Cindy and I got married, uh, I was working for a company that was in transition. They had two components of their company. Uh, one was a uh, water 
they, they you know, did bottled water and all of that kind of a thing, and, and so they had trucks that went out, and it was a local thing, and they also had an air conditioning business. And so somehow they had these two businesses, and they got to the place where Pepsi was going to buy the water business. This is when Pepsi and all the beverage industries decided that, man, hey, selling water <laughs> is a pretty good deal. You can make a lot of money. So they wanted to buy this company. And my boss at the time because I was doing working for kind of two companies, even though it was one company, he wanted me to expense my hours, more of my hours, to Pepsi than the air conditioning company. So even when I was doing air conditioning work, he wanted me to put them on the, the, the little pay stub for, for Pepsi, because it was Pepsi and they had the money and, and he wanted me to do this. He said, I'm paying you well. And I set that up before they even bought the water and, and I, I wouldn't do it. And you know, this is one of those things where you've got to get real when it comes to following Christ. Sometimes we think, wow, if, if I do that, then God's going to go, ah, and you're going to be rewarded. No, basically I ended up losing my job. He, he, it, it was over. So there, there are some times where, not sometimes, if it's wrong, you don't do it. So it's, it's not saying that you do everything. You have to understand that. Also, if it's stupid, do it well. I hate to say this, if they're paying you, I mean, if it's not wrong, and, it, you know, and it's, it's just, you just, just do it. They're, they're paying you. You don't, you don't roll your eyes. You, don't, you, know, you, you learn how the, how the situation works. And again, you can speak into it. And hopefully you're maybe working for someone that would actually want you to give feedback. But if they want you to do something crazy and it, and, it, and it takes longer to do it that way and that's what they want, guess what? They're paying you. You work for them. So you do it, but you do it well. You don't, you don't wrestle with it. You don't, you don't make trouble for it. You, you, you do it well. This kind of goes along with that, this idea of you have a great attitude or you fake a great attitude. And someone may say, well, that doesn't seem too genuine. I don't know about you. Some of you have kids. Anyone wake you up last night? Were you happy about that? Did you kind of fake it? Oh, are you okay? Let's go back to you know, you know that that's a good thing. You know, like you know that wouldn't be good. You 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 do do this. Uh, one time, I remember I was speaking in a, in another church, and every once in a while, I get migraine headaches, and I get them so bad that it's like flashing lights. Have you ever had one of those? I mean, I can't actually read the screen, and halfway through my sermon, I couldn't read anything. And I'm like, I do not want to make this a big deal because it happened before, I, so I knew what was going on. So, so I just kind of just kept speaking, and I just faked it. No one's sitting out there. I could be having one right now. No, I'm not. But uh, <laughs> wow, but I just, I just faked it. I had a great attitude. I, you know, sometimes you're at work, right? You don't, you don't feel good, but you're there, and you, you kind of just roll with it. So if we're going to be the kind of employee we need to be, if we're going to have a, you know, sometimes uh, we, we, just, we just have a good attitude. We, we don't want to do it. We don't want to clean up the mess. We don't want to whatever. But, but again, we're working for them. I remember one time the, the girls used to clean here, and they used to get irritated sometimes because somebody would leave a mess. I'd say, it's awesome they leave a mess. They're like, what do you mean? If no one left a mess, you wouldn't have a job. Oh, 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 you know, you know, now don't leave messes. Don't get me in trouble for that. But, 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 you know, you know, it, you know, that, that's, that's the reality that, you know, we are told with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord, we should serve, 
So there just need to be this genuineness, but, but that doesn't mean we can, you know, if our attitude stinks, then we can just let that drip out everywhere. We don't, we don't do that. Sometimes we get really upset with our jobs and we don't like our jobs. And, and the reality is, if you can find a better job, take it. That, that's okay. That's okay. Each person should remain in the situation where they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. So this, this idea of getting a better job, bettering yourself, being who you are, yeah, yes, that's, that's totally upset or acceptable. That, that's a good thing. It's an encouraged thing. Don't have an attitude about it. So if you can find a better job, absolutely take it. On the other side, if you can't find a better job, stop complaining about it. I mean, you know, you know, put it in the Lord's hands. And if it, if it, if it doesn't work out, just, just quit complaining about it. It's where God has you for the moment. Yet a lot of times that's not the way we function. We just complain about it. But, but you have the possibility of getting another job, and if it doesn't work out, then be thankful for the job you have. Also, when you're working through this attitude and working through all these concepts, we need to have this idea of pursuing excellence and reject the idea of good enough. Reject the idea of good enough. Just don't do enough to get by. Do you realize that sometimes when you're in one position, you're actually interviewing for your next position? Uh, one time we had a person that was on our worship team, and uh, at the church we were at, we had a position that was full-time worship leader, and uh, we were without one at the time. And we also needed somebody to do some communication piece, communications work, and uh, he was excellent. He was, he was doing what he was doing, and all of a sudden, a job changed, and, and he didn't have a job anymore, and all of a sudden, I was meeting with him to say, hey, Brian, you want to come work for us at the church? He's like, What? I said, yeah, come work for us. Got a position. It won't be the same as in corporate world, but we'd love to have you come work for us because you've been interviewing for this job all along. You never knew all the hard work you were doing in this role and putting these worship services together, helping out these other things. You didn't know that in a sense you were interviewing. Jess, Jess didn't know when she started serving a couple years ago in kids zone and other things that she was actually interviewing for the job that she has now. You, you, you never know when that's happening. So pursue excellence. Uh, reject good enough. In Colossians we read, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so that, that changes everything. That changes everything. Sometimes, you know, when I'm involved in doing something, I joked about this last week, you know, that sometimes, you know, even a pastor's job can stink, you know, and I'm doing something, and, uh, you know, and I want to take a corner, take a shortcut. I have to ask myself, wait a minute, I'm not doing it for that person. I'm actually doing it for my Heavenly Father. And I love those moments where, well, maybe I don't love them, but uh, I, I acknowledge those moments where I actually do something and nobody knows. And sometimes I'll say, Lord, I, I don't want anyone to know because that was just for you. That was me showing your worth to me. And no one, not even Cindy, 
will ever know that I did that nice thing. I'm not being boastful. I'm not being arrogant about it. And I, and I want to keep it that way. I actually don't want to tell anyone because I'm trying to keep secrets. I just want that to leave between you and me, Jesus. And I don't want anybody else to know. And I actually am good with that. So you pursue excellence. You reject good is good enough. And, and you just, you know, and we keep moving that. It's interesting. If you want to be paid more, this isn't in your notes. If you want to be paid more later, be worth more now. Boy, think about that. Think about that. Whatever you're doing and you're thinking about your work. If you want to be paid more later, be worth more now. This is in your notes. If I never do more than I'm paid to do, I'll never be paid more for what I do. Let that sink in. Again, we're not saying that our employment is the answer to our life, but it is definitely a big, huge part of our life. Solomon mentions it twice in chapter 2. You see, there are myths out there that we do like living in the shadow of. We like living in the shadow of Wow, if I just knew a little bit more, if I was just a little bit wiser, then life would be sweet. If life was just a little bit better of a time, then life would be perfect. If I just had the right job, then life would be perfect. You see, that's not the case. Solomon actually got to live in each of those areas to the fullest. You see, he got to figure out that full is often empty when it's just lived under the sun. Full is often empty. And if you and I can have those myths busted in our life, it opens up life in a whole new direction. In Philippians, and we're going to continue to talk about these ideas, but in Philippians, we showed this last week, I've learned the secret, this is Paul writing, of being happy at any time in everything. He's learned how to be fully engaged under the sun, yet he's learned that when it's not going that great, he's still happy. When it's going wonderful, he's still happy. Solomon didn't live that way. He knew it, but he didn't have it in his heart. And that's why he writes Ecclesiastes. It's his journal of regrets. But you and I can leverage that in our lives. You and I can find that the myths that he busts can change everything for us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you that... We have Solomon's Journal of Ecclesiastes. We're thankful that even though it's thousands of years old, it can still speak into our lives. You can use it to speak into our lives. And Father, there may be some other myth that needs to be busted in our lives. And in a sense, we live in the shadow of it. We, we like it because it, it keeps us looking in a different direction. It keeps us looking maybe away from you being the answer to life. And these, these items, these things, these, these places of being the answer to life. And Father, I just ask that you would do some work in all of our hearts. 
give us some clarity so that those myths would be busted in our life and we wouldn't be leaning onto something that's basically just a, a beautiful cloud that will not hold up when it comes to the weight of our lives. We just ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.